This is episode 163, In Search of Success, with Brian K. Wright. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is the Dance of Life podcast. Every week, my goal is to inspire you to take action towards what you love, live a transformed life, and enjoy the journey there. Are you ready? Let's go. What's up, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me today on another episode of the Dance of Life podcast. Welcome, and I hope you're having an amazing day. Jack Canfield once said, Life is too short to work with people who irritate you. You I love this quote. It's such a straightforward quote, but you know, it's so true because today we're talking about the search for success. And one of the big aspects to that, as you'll soon find out in the episode, is the people you surround yourself with you know, on a regular basis, whether that's personal life, whether it's business, the people you surround yourself on a regular day-to-day basis will determine how you feel, what you think about, what you believe, and what you achieve. Today, my inspiring guest is Brian K. Wright. He's the host of Success Profiles Radio and the publisher of Success Profiles Magazine. Over the last seven years, Brian has interviewed world-class achievers such as Darren Hardy, Jack Canfield, Laurel Langmire, Kevin Harrington, Sharon Lecter, Chris Powell, Dan Locke, and many, many others. He's the author of three books, including the recently released Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2. And throughout his career, Brian has been a top performer in the areas of sales, customer service, training, and has also written resumes professionally for working professionals and executives. He speaks on the topics of motivation inspiration, leadership, and book writing. If you want to get in touch with Brian, you can check him out at Brian K. Wright, that's spelled with a W, W-R-I-G-H-T dot com. If you want to subscribe to Success Profiles Magazine, it's a wonderful, wonderful magazine, check it out at successprofilesmagazine.com. Now, Brian also runs a an event throughout the year called Authorpreneur, If you're looking to write a book, get started with that, or if you already have a book and you're wondering how to position yourself as an expert, how to market yourself as an author, really wonderful resources at this event. I attended it myself. It helped me write my own book, The Gratitude Map. A lot of great resources there. You get some really top-notch people to come in and do the workshops. So at the time of this episode, I believe the event has already passed for this year, but you can get access to the most recent recordings Uh, and basically tune in that way. It's a wonderful event. That's how I did it, and I got a lot out of it. So check it out. It's authorpreneurlive.com, spelled author, A-U-T-H-O-R-P-R-E-N-E-U-R, live.com. And all this stuff is going to be available in the blog post for this episode. So uh, if you didn't get the spelling for that, don't worry about it. Just go check it out, danceoflife.com slash podcast. You're going to see the latest show notes there you'll be able to access Brian's page and all of this stuff. Now, if you go to briankwright.com, you'll be able to get seven full-length episodes and transcripts from his Success Profiles show. That's where he interviews all those top-quality, high-performers, so you can be able to get access to seven of those conversations and the transcripts uh, at his website. Like I said, today we're talking about the search for success, and I know that's become a bit of a buzzword in today's society, especially with all the options we have to be successful, to make money, to make decisions, to educate ourselves. 
it's such a wide world of possibility that also at the same time it can be very daunting, very confusing. So I wanted to grab Brian for an interview. He's a good friend of mine, and he's been so consistent and successful in his own right in interviewing all the top performers. So we're going to talk a lot about what does it mean to be successful? How do you find and create your own definition? How do you apply all of the things that you learn to your own life? And what are some of the things that you should really be paying attention to on your own search for success? You know, Brian's interviewed dozens of top performers in the world, so I wanted him to share his unique perspective on this often elusive search for most of us, right? So super excited to share with you guys this episode. If you like this kind of content, make sure you subscribe and share it with one person in your life that needs to hear this conversation today on the search for success. As always, you can tag me with what you get out of this episode. What's your biggest breakthrough? Tag me on Instagram and Facebook at Tudor Alexander Official and let me know. I'm always curious to know what makes the biggest difference in your life. And with that, it's time to go hang out with Brian and talk about the search for success. Here we go. What's up? What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the Dance of Life podcast. I'm your guest and host with my guest, actually. I'm your host, Tudor Alexander, and my guest, Brian. What's up, Brian? So good to see you, man. Tudor, it is an honor to be here with you. We were you. jamming you. here before the <laughs> yes. before the music was coming. You got some dance moves, man. You got Thank some you. good dance moves. I didn't know that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's uh, you missed your calling there. You should have been on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would have had to take lessons from you first. I think. <laughs> well, I'm really super stoked for you, man. You've been killing it with all this. Uh, your, your second book is out, right? Success this, Profiles. Actually, it's my fourth book overall. But fourth it's, book. It's wow, the okay. second book in this series. It's called Success Profiles: Converse, Conversations with High Achievers, and this yeah. is volume two. That's exciting, man. How many uh, conversations do you have? How many interviews do you have in that? In this one, there's 18. 18. Wow. Yeah. How many was in the first one? 11. 11. But what I did with this one, some of the people in volume two were also featured on the cover of Success Profiles magazine, which I publish, and I had to edit that down to make it a magazine-length feature. Gotcha. And so instead of re-expanding it back to its original length, I just kept the magazine-length article and, and just repurpose some of the same material again and just made it a chapter because here's the thing I mean people think may think that's cheating but it's really not because people who have heard my show may not know there's a magazine people right. who've read the magazine may not know that I have a book they all synergize together and it's just so interesting I mean for example I knew you because I met you at uh, an event and you had an exhibitor really, table yeah. and you were promoting your dance lessons and, and I gave you a music CD. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought I bought a music CD from yeah. you. It's like, oh, I didn't know you did this. I'll do that. Right. Yeah. That that I'm totally willing to listen to your piano music, and you're great. So I Thank really you. appreciate it. Yeah, you were one of my uh, first supporters. That was a lifelong dream for me to oh. to release a piano album to make my own album. So are you gonna you. do another one? You know what? I would like to. It's just trying to budget the time. I'll be honest with you. Like with everything I'm doing, I really do want to connect back to music. Actually, one of my goals for 2020 is to learn the hand drums, like really get into like percussive instruments. Yeah. I would love to add that to to my own repertoire. And I think once I get settled in my own place again, having a, a space for music, yeah. that's definitely one of my goals. If you need a vocalist, hit me up. Yeah, you're you a good singer? <laughs> I, I have done singing in the past. Wow, nice. Okay. Yeah. That was always a challenge. You know, like when we, I was in a band actually 
most people don't know this about me, but I was in a band for several years and actually several bands and finding a singer was so hard. That was such a, but it was interesting too, because at the same time, and it probably if any musician will relate to this when they're, they're listening. But when we, when we gave up, we were like, we can't find a singer. Like nobody's just jiving with our style or whatever, you know, it was interesting in a way. It really freed up our creativity as well, because with a singer, at least there was no vocals or no, there's no meaning in a sense, right? There's no like uh, superimposed story. And so we got in that period of time, we had a lot of instrumental stuff that came out that was a lot of fun too. So it was a really interesting experience because I always yeah. thought for a while like, okay, man, you need a singer and stuff. So really interesting. But I'll have to hit you up when we, when yeah. we get back into it. I, I tend to be bass baritone. I'm not one of these tenor types that most of the world is. So Right, yeah. It would have to be some very specific songs, I think. That's but good though. We'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk. Absolutely. Have you interviewed any uh like mu- musicians? Through I haven't. I, I've reached out to some, but I haven't heard back. I would love to interview Andy Grammer. Yeah. I'm not listening to a lot of current music, but I, I do really like Andy Grammer. Hmm. How do you go about finding the people to, because you, you've had some really like big names on your, yeah, on thank your show you. on your, that's really inspiring. Like Cheryl Lecter, and I know she was. Uh, Sharon Lecter, yeah. Uh, I've been introduced to people by other people. I mean, mm. once you, once you've been out there for a while interviewing and you get a, a few people that people know, sometimes people come out of the woodwork saying, I have a connection to so-and-so. Have you interviewed them yet? Mm. No. Would you like me to introduce you? Of course. Gotcha. And with some people, I mean, I've reached out to some people. I reached out to Jack Canfield. Wow. And it took okay. me a couple times to get, to have his people answer back. I'm sure. Yeah. But part of, part of the pitch was I've interviewed X, Y, and Z. Yeah, you have a track record. Exactly. And I sent a page, a link to the page that shows all my testimonials and reviews at briankwright.com. And uh, they have a chance to see who else has been on the show. In fact, Jack said on my show, you've interviewed a bunch of my friends. And I very confidently was able to say, yes, I have. Hmm. I have interviewed a bunch of his friends. What? Okay, here's a question for you, because it may sound a little cliche, but look, you've interviewed so many people that are very successful, very influential Right now, today, in this moment, what does success mean to you? For me, success means having the time freedom hmm. to pursue my zone of genius and the benefit of others. Hmm. Okay. So basically, being able to use your time however you want to use it. Right. And and to have it benefit other people, using hmm. the skills that I have to benefit other people. A lot of people don't have time freedom and I'd, because they're stuck on a job. And there's nothing wrong with that. I was in that position for many years. But your time is limited when you are giving the better part of your you week to somebody else. Hours a day. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, people have families and and other things that they have. And so having the time freedom to do what you want, to operate in your zone of genius for the benefit of mankind, I think is really the best definition of success that I can come up with. Hmm. When did when did that occur to you like let's say at least with the time because there's two parts to that right there's yeah. the time freedom part mm-hmm. which i think is is a worthwhile conversation of its own and then there's sort of the being within your zone of genius to contribute to mankind yeah. that's kind of the second part yeah so let's take that first part on so the first part the time freedom part when did it occur to you because like in my own journey i know there i mean there's everything you know everything influences everything else there's like a million moments that create who you are but if you were to ask me, like, there's a moment in my mind specifically where I'm like, okay, that's it. 
I need to have control over my time. Mm-hmm. When did that happen for you? Like, when did it occur to you, like, hey, success is not about X, Y, and Z. It's like, first and foremost, I got to be able to control my time. Right. I think a lot of people's first impression of success is money mm. and financial stuff yeah. and having stuff. One thing that I've learned through reading personal development books and through interviewing all these amazing people, it's not about having things. It's about being things. Mm. It's about being someone. You have to be someone in order to do something and then have it. Mm. A lot of people mix that up. It's funny. I I saw a post the other day on Facebook and it said, I don't remember exactly what it said. It was like, instead of making a to-do list, make a to-be list. Yeah. Like, what do you want to, like, instead we, you know, I'm like, you know, that's right. Like, we're making to-do lists all the time, but I never make it to be like, like, what do I want to be today? Mm-hmm. Like, who do I want to be or what do I want to experience today? Yeah. I don't think, you don't think of that too often, but really, like you said, that's what generates all the actions that you have in life right. is who you are and who you, uh, who you want to be in your own, in your own life. And let's say in your own journey, how long have you been, you're an author, you're a speaker. How long have you been doing this? Well, my first book came out in 2009. Wow. Okay. It was called uh, Student Leadership Strategies, 21 Easy Ways to Become a Center of Influence in Your Group. And it was geared toward young people, high school, college audiences, that kind of thing. And it was about leadership. And I really felt like there needed to be something out there that spoke to younger people um, because that's the generation that's going to be leading everything soon. Absolutely. Yeah. So train them upright in the way you want them to go, Mm -hmm. as the Bible says. So that was one of the reasons why I wrote that book. And then my other three books have been compilation books from interviews on my show. Now people are asking me, when are you going to write your story? I said, I'm not quite ready to do that yet, Mm. but it is coming. It's on my bucket list. I'm going to write my story and my life lessons and explore my journey more. What, what made you take the jump from being, let's say in, in the corporate world or in, you know, the employment sort of job world into what you're doing now? Like, when did it click for you? Like, Hey, I can't, I can't be doing this anymore. I need to like make the jump and do it. Or was it a gradual thing? Like, did you kind of start, you know, basically you're working your nine to five and then (laughs) coming home and grinding for another four hours and, you know, slowly make the leap or what, how was it for you? I think for me, I was stuck in the wheel of, I need to have, I need to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed, even though I didn't like it. And then when I got fed up enough, I quit. But then I went to another job Mm. thinking that maybe like right away. Or did you have like a period of time where you tried some stuff and it failed or a little bit? I mean, when I was writing the student leadership book, I wasn't working for a couple of months and I was working on the book then. Gotcha. And so that gave me some freedom to do that. But I realized that I needed to do something and I already had my no, I didn't have my radio show yet. There were other times when I had my radio show when I wasn't working too. That's just an hour out of my week. Mm. But I do prepare pretty diligently yeah, for you, all of my do shows. You do, all the, do you do the production for that too? Or the audio production and stuff? Or No, I work with Toginet Radio. So they're an internet radio station. Oh, gotcha. And so I have a producer that does all of that. That's and if nice. anything needs to be edited, they do it. So all I have to do is bring a guest and bring my show and my microphone and go. Gotcha. And an hour later, we're done. Nice. It is. Yeah, it's not a huge time commitment. No, it's really not. And I've gotten a lot of mileage out of it. You know, people are asking me, how are you monetizing? Well, it's it's indirect. Mm-hmm. I'm building my brand. In fact, I had a trusted friend tell me once, Brian, you're doing it the right way. You're building your brand. 
you know, especially in the earlier days of, of ra- internet radio and podcasting, people weren't really jumping on doing advertising because is this going to stick around? Mm. Was this going to be just a fad? What was going to happen? Yeah, it's so new. Like podcasting is such a new medium still. Yeah, and it's it's starting to mature a little bit. I mean, a lot of people have shows now. Um, maybe some people who shouldn't have a show. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, it's funny because I think the statistics are like there's so many shows getting started every month, but they also fade out. Like a lot of people, six months, most of them are they don't take it seriously. They don't they don't realize it's a long term game. Like it anything, is. right? Like success is really yeah. It's about that practice over time of right. contributing your gifts and you right. know. Being and for some people, it's just a fun thing to do, and that's yeah. that's perfectly fine. Yeah, you know, there are some very niched shows. I mean, I I know someone who, uh, just as an example, he had a show where he interviewed only gold medalists who won wow. national or world championships in whatever that is sport a small was. <laughs> yeah, and I started team. wondering, is he going to run out of people to talk to? Seriously, yeah. And I don't think he's doing a show anymore. He's doing it for, he did it for like two or three years though. Hmm. Had some great shows. That was a guy you interviewed on your... Uh, I have had him on my show. And uh, he, very, very active in his 40s, still very active, like water skiing. He Professional water skiing Wow, was his sport. Hmm. Won tons of national championships and that um so yeah i mean you can pick a niche i mean some people do for example star wars related stuff sports related stuff i know someone who lives in utah and they're doing a show very centric to the city they live in things to do in whatever the city is salt lake Mm -hmm. city or wherever it is so people have a lot of very interesting niched shows Mm -hmm. and it's cool but I prefer to have something a little more universal that I can do year-round and never run out of people to talk to. Oh, and it's also part of your brand, too. I mean, when we talk about, let's say, being successful or creating that success, I think what you articulate, also your your friend said that you're doing it right by building a brand in the sense that the, the, it's part of your ecosystem. I think these days we, we forget that it's not about – I was reading something the other day about how now the biggest thing in marketing is not a funnel, it's a flywheel. It's like this idea of, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I kind of understood that intuitively. I maybe not called it a flywheel, but it makes sense in the sense that it's not about getting a person from A to B. It's about getting a person to be in your orbit, right? To be in your ecosystem of the things that you're doing. Uh, like, like you said, like you met me at some event, you know, here we are now later talking about this. You know, I, I tried your uh, entrepreneur life. So yeah. it's like we're orbiting each other's ecosystems right intersecting on different planes yeah and i'm really proud of you because you invested in yourself and your book came out a few months after that so you must have gotten a lot out of it yeah i really did man i mean it's such a great resource especially like i said you had a lot of successful people on there we're doing 2.0 in december that's exciting yeah yeah i uh i mean writing a book i'll tell you you know talk about success like that's that's a that's a marathon of an experience it is but the funny thing is people ask me like how long how long did it take you to write the book and I was like well the actual process of writing it probably wasn't too long it really took me like maybe four months it was very quick mm-hmm. but if you really the book is such an extension of your life mm-hmm. you know like a book is such an extension of your story of your experiences so if you really think about okay how long did it take me to write a book probably about four years if yeah. I think about with the whole gratitude stuff and right. you know all, like we talk about repurposing content 
like most of the chapters in the book were just old podcast episodes that yeah. people really loved. And mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I should write a book around gratitude. Like I've been yeah. really blogging and writing about that stuff for a exactly. while now. And now you repurpose into a book. So I guess you could say four years really, you know, so it's yeah. interesting how yeah. the book is just the obvious result of something less obvious over a yeah. longer period of time. Yeah. Right? I spoke about book writing at a networking event yesterday. I had about 10 minutes and one of the things that I said is if you're thinking about writing a book, there's a good chance if you are putting out content prolifically, there's a chance that your book is already right in front already, of you. Yeah, it's already there for you. When I interviewed Jeffrey Gittimer, who wrote the sales Bible and a bunch of you know smaller books after that, I asked him, so how did you decide to write a book? He says, I never decided to write a book. I just wrote a blog about all the stupid people salespeople do. Mm. And after a hundred of those, I realized I had enough for a book. Mm. And so he just compiled them. That's interesting. So it's like really, you know, a lot of, a lot of times I think when we go about something like, a, let's say, writing a book, right? It's a very daunting task, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it, you have to think, okay, how am I going to give birth to this <laughs> at least 100 pages or whatever of yeah. information? But I think if you go go backward in your life and you look back and say, what have I already been talking about? What have I already been creating what have i already lived what have i already you know been talking to people about on a regular basis it's not like you have to reinvent the wheel it's already your your story has already been written in right. a sense you know right with the piece about having control of your time because yeah. it's so funny you know like i have a very similar i've been thinking about this exact definition myself and i have a very similar answer in the sense that for me like being having a successful life let's say is first I have a piece about health in it. Like you have to be in good health. That's number one. Then the other part is being able to use your time without obligation, right? Let's say in the service of others. I like that a lot with with what you said. But definitely being in control of your time, man, that's so important. And I think even if you're self-employed, like in your own journey in the last couple of years, what have you found has been like your yes, no list? Like what are the what are the things that you say no to that are going to not, not help you control your time? What are the time wasters? What are the the things that you've found out in the last, let's say, nine years, 10 years of really being in, in the presence of where you are right now on yeah. your path as, okay, I'm not going to do this because my time is more important to me. Yeah. Like what's been your... I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. Hmm. Okay. Because I do remember after coming home from work and just wanted to decompress, I found myself in front of the television for mm. three hours and then it was time for bed. And I realized I haven't accomplished anything toward the pursuit of my own dream. Wow. You know, whether it's writing a book or doing anything else or reading, you know, I like to read, but you know, sometimes television is just easier to turn on Yeah, and you get sucked no, into all these reality no resistance shows. To- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, who got kicked out of the house this week? I I don't care anymore. If I really want to know, even though I'm not following any specific show, I mean, Big Brother, for example, I used to watch that all the time. Yeah. And I might look at posts online to see who's in the house and what they're kind of like. Yeah. And I might might follow (laughs) discussion boards. Right. But I won't spend the whole hour two or three times a week watching it Mm. because they edit it the way they want it to look anyway. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, God bless people who watch that stuff. That's fine. I just realized that for me, and I'm speaking for my experience only, that is time that I can better spend doing something to build my dream. Hmm. Do you have any specific time 
management tools or techniques that you use to kind of, uh, or maybe that you've learned from some of the interviews that you've conducted over the last two years? Well, Brian Tracy always talks about having your, your to-do list and the A list is the stuff that you must get done today. Hmm. And the B list is the stuff that you should do. And the C list, I think, is usually stuff that if you get to it, you get to it. I think sometimes people go to their C list first because the C list items usually don't take a lot of time. Hmm. The A list items are usually the really scary ones. And so we avoid them. And so we avoid them. That's why he's got a book called Eat That Frog. Eat the frog first and then everything else is easy. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. Eat the frog. What's Eat that, that frog. That It's a time management book. It's about doing the thing that you really don't want to do first. Hmm. Okay. Because if you do that, you will feel like you accomplished something really significant that day, and then everything else is easy. Interesting. In comparison. Yeah, I've heard like even stuff like little wins that you can do, like making your bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. I've been starting to do that. Yeah. Just to have that little sense of, okay, like I got something done right off the bat. Yeah. Jack Canfield calls that completing your incompletes. Hmm. If you leave your bed unmade, that's an incomplete. and. It, it subconsciously it runs head in your space space in yeah your head. yeah yeah exactly now something that i've done sometimes is i will keep a list of things that i can do in 10 or 15 minutes because sometimes you have to wait for people sometimes your person that you're supposed to talk to is late mm. sometimes you're waiting in line at the post office for those little moments of those time little, where they're just going to yeah, waste them anyway so. right so what are some things that only take you about 10 minutes to do mm. If you've got a book with you, read a couple pages while you're waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, send an email to somebody if you're waiting. Uh, just whatever that list happens That's to really be. interesting. Yeah. Just have a, have a short list of things that you can do in a very short amount of time. That way, if you find yourself waiting for someone and it's not in your control, you can do some of those things and then you still feel like you got yeah, something Yeah, then it done. lightens the load too. It and does. Your, your list isn't so long of all yeah. these little items. Because when you have a lot to do, it feels really sludgy. But I believe, and this is going to sound like a weird analogy, I just believe in keeping things light and fluffy. Yeah, for sure. Because it's easier to get around in life. When things are aligned, absolutely. You can move much easier. You can make choices that are not bogging you down emotionally or yeah. mentally Yeah. from one position to another. Right. Hmm. I agree. That's really interesting. I was just talking to a, a gal, actually today, <laughs> did two interviews today, including yours, about feng shui. Okay. And that was, uh, I mean, at the time of this episode, if you're listening, it was a couple episodes ago. But we were talking about um, feng shui and alignment and living a life of harmony and how the space that you're in and how even internally and in the way that your house is organized, it, you know, it affects your energy and, and how your bed is placed. And it's like, man, these things you don't think about. But it's true that these little misalignments, like, like having, let's say, what you said, those little incompletes that rent space in your head. They drain you over time. And then mm-hmm. it's like the rest of that energy can't be repurposed to creating, let's say, your your zone of genius, right? Right. In in life and basically serving serving the people around you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the second piece, okay, let's let's transition to that second piece. So with the second piece of being in your zone of genius and contributing your gifts. What does that mean to you? Like for all these high achievers that you've interviewed, what have you seen the common patterns? Like you see a lot of people talk about passion, for example. And then you have some people say, well, passion's overrated. It's about the little things you do every day. You know, I've heard, Mm -hmm. hey, there's have a big vision in life. Have that, you know, goal that you're shooting for. Then I've heard, well, 
you know, how about you just take it one day at a time and you're mm-hmm. present, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of ways to interpret that, right? You know, how, how has your experience been? Well, I think in terms of finding your zone of genius, I think you have to be really tuned in to where your talents are in life. And I think one reason why some people are maybe not real happy is because they're doing something they don't enjoy doing. I think you have to enjoy what you're doing. And I think if you don't enjoy doing, let's just say, for example, you're at a job. If you get really good doing something that you don't like doing, the world's just going to keep asking you to do more of it Mm. because that's the lane that you're in. That's the lane everyone sees you in. Yeah, you've chosen to be there. So Right. It's like, oh, he's really good at this. Let's give him this responsibility that's related to that. But I don't even like doing this. You can't convince somebody of that because you're so good at that. Mm. We need you to do that. Mm. But I don't need to do that. <laughs> and you have to have the courage to say that to yourself. You have mm-hmm. to say it to yourself first. You have to be willing to draw a line in the sand and say, I will no longer put up with this in my life. Mm-hmm. So what are your talents? In fact, I had a guest on my show, and I don't remember who said this, but he said everyone has a Michael Jordan level of talent in something. It's true. Yeah, we're all masters at something, right? You have to cultivate that talent, though. You can't get by just on talent alone. You have to cultivate it. I mean, sports is rife with examples of people whose talent carried them for a long time. But then when they got to the pros, their careers fizzled because now they're competing against a lot of people who are just as good as they were in college. But they have a discipline too. Yeah. And that that's the whole key too. Is you have to be disciplined to keep at it. So figure out what you're really good at. For me, uh, public speaking and writing is my zone of genius. And so my career is based on that. I ghostwrite books for people. I do a radio show. I publish a magazine. I edit a couple of other people's magazines for Mm -hmm. them. And so communication is really where my career is based. Mm -hmm. And so that's the lane that people are seeing me in now. And I'm glad because that's what I love doing. I used to work at the call center world. And I was pretty good at that. But it's rough. It's rough. I've been there. Rough. It's abusive. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Especially if you're on the other end of like, let's say whatever the situation happens, the company does something and you have to pay for it. Basically you're taking all the heat from the yeah. people who were, you know, PO'd at the company. Yeah. So, and I try to be a little more sensitive now when I get telemarketing calls because I've been on the other right. side of that phone. <laughs> you know what it's like. But there are some people who, whose protocol is just so completely out of line that I just don't feel like being nice to those people, right, you know, yeah. but at the end of the day, they, they have a life too. So I, I am a little sympathetic toward that, but you got to find your zone of genius. I mean, if that's what you love doing in life and that's your zone of genius, that's great. If you're making a lot of money and you're happy and you're selling something that is legitimately helpful to a lot of people, then good for you. Hmm. Yeah. If you have some sense of purpose about it, right? Like I think really what it comes down to is having some sense of why you're doing something, right? Like why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. If you don't have that sense, then it doesn't matter how much money you make, you go insane. Yeah. If you don't have a strong sense of why then any obstacle will derail you pretty fast. Mm, Very true. Because there's no guiding reason for what you're doing except that you feel like you're on the hamster wheel. Yeah. And when you feel like you're on the hamster wheel, you feel like you have no control. Mm. And I think this is the thing that people need to realize is that you do have choices. Mm. Not everyone chooses to recognize that. Some people don't see all the choices that are in front of them. Mm. And maybe they don't have the courage to step out. Now, does that mean everyone should be an entrepreneur? No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. But I think 
you just have to look at something. I mean, so a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've inter- interviewed on my show, they were horrible employees. They just didn't like following other people's rules. Yeah. And they couldn't keep a job for very long. And society would say, you're a failure because you can't hold a job. Mm. Maybe you're not meant to have a job. Maybe you're meant to create a job for yourself and for other people. Robert Kiyosaki has said, if, if, if 3 million people created a business and they all hired three people apiece, that would solve unemployment instantly. Interesting. Never yeah. thought of it that way. Yeah. So the people who are running small businesses are actually the heroes in this economy, hmm. especially if you are able to hire or source out because a lot of people are doing freelance work now. I source out all my gravity design work because I do not have skills. It's crazy now because literally, I mean, with the internet and platforms everywhere, it's, I really wonder what the future is going to be like, you know, like another five, 10 years from now, how the economy, I see it as like this dynamic, like everybody's sort of these solopreneurs, like exchanging goods and services, you know, and it's all like, like you said, like all my stuff, I outsource through Upwork or these, you know, yeah. e-, e sites where you get these e contractors. Yeah. And it's like, it's a little scary. Some of it's scary. You're like, okay, like I'm going to have somebody work on my thing. I mean, they could totally mess it up. But it's, it's worked out really good so far. So test, test them with small stuff first. Right. Yeah. Test that, the trust. that isn't uber important to you <laughs> because if they screw that up, it doesn't matter. Right. I like how you mentioned courage. I like how you mentioned and specifically about how you have to have the courage to say it to yourself. Yeah. That you're not going to take something anymore. Yeah. In your own experience, let's say in your own journey, becoming who you are now, what was that moment for you? Like when you when you took that step and you said, and you had the courage to say, you know what? I'm not going to take X, Y, Z, or I'm not going to do this anymore. Like what was that moment for you in your own journey? I think that moment happened when I experienced some financial difficulties Mm. and I realized I am way more talented than my bank account shows. Gotcha. Yeah. And I asked myself, what is really going on here? Hmm. And what, what's next? What can I do? I'm not meant for this. There's a gift that I have that needs to be shared. So how can I do that? And I, I think the radio show was a huge part of it. Now, back in the 90s, I was a resume writer before the internet. Wow, okay. And I did that while I was teaching at a two-year business college. So that was my side business. And then it became my full-time business. Resume writing? Yeah, it did. Wow, okay. It did. But that was like before Monster.com and stuff, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I just realized that there really wasn't an opportunity for me to scale something like that. Yeah. And I just got really tired of it. Hmm. And so I moved to Arizona. This was back in Nebraska when I did that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I moved to Arizona and ended up in the call center world. And that's where I ended up for a while. Hmm. Made some good money at some places. But I also realized that I was not willing to compromise my ethical standards. Hmm. And so there were companies that I left. In what way? What do you mean ethical standards? Like were they requiring you to do something unethical? Selling programs that were not necessary, selling products that were not I necessary. See, right, right, gotcha. Things that weren't helping people. Yeah. It was just about the numbers, pretty much. Yeah. And in some cases, I began to wonder if maybe people were being taken advantage of. Hmm. And then I heard rumblings that fulfillment was non existent. That's not cool at all. Wow. 
FBI shut them down, but I left them nine months before that happened. I just wow. had this premonition. There's something <laughs> not right here. So I left with a couple of my friends. They started a company. I ended up being their, I guess you could call it CFO, but um, I did their, their finances and their money and their payroll. And I did all that for them. I did that for a little while. Hmm. What, uh, with your, going back to your book, I just thought about this, yes. but what was the interview? Maybe, maybe let's say that this last set, the 18 interviews, what was the interview that you feel taught you the most about yourself? Hmm. That's a really good question. As I'm reviewing my list of people I talked with, I mean, you've had so many inspiring people on that show. It's great. I have. Jordan Adler was very interesting. Um, he is in the multi-level marketing world. He is in Send Out Cards. It's a great organization. Um, he struggled in multi-level marketing for a while hmm. while he was working. Like struggled be, making, financially, financially and, and, and yeah. struggling to get people enrolled in the program that he was working with at that time. Hmm. And I believe this was in, I believe this was in Tempe. He was working for America West Airlines or something like that and would meet people at a coffee house to talk to them about, you know, his business and you know, sure, what, yeah. what was going on. And it just took a long time for things to happen. And he ran up a huge set of credit card debt. And wasn't making a ton of money, was living in someone's garage. But then he figured it out. Hmm. And his business started taking off. What and changed for him? I think his mindset. I think getting around people who were successful. Somebody invited him to an event where there were lots of people who were very successful in multi-level marketing. Gotcha. And he got around those people and realized, uh, this could be done. And so he decided to surround himself with people who were successful at that. And that's really key because if you, let's just say, for example, you want to get in great shape and get six pack abs, you're going to hang around with four people who, who, who know what they're doing. I mean, there's the, the adage that you are the average of the five people you hang around with the most. If you're trying to get in shape, but you're hanging around with four, four or five fat slobs, guess what you are too. <laughs> Eventually. Osmosis, right? Yeah. Exactly. Because you you gravitate to the norm that you're surrounding yourself with. Well, and the beliefs too, I imagine, like the yeah. beliefs that are in that in those five people will influence your beliefs, which influence your actions, like right. we we're talking about. If you want to run a successful business, you get around people. This is why I love talking to successful people every week. Mm, yeah. That must be amazing. I mean, gosh, like it literally so you've had between these two books thirty 30 conversations pretty much. Right. And I've, I've had almost 350 episodes of my show. Wow. In December, that'll be episode 350. Congrats, man. That's Thank awesome. You. That's an achievement. Thank you. What did that teach you about yourself? Like, what do you feel? Did you feel you resonated with his story a lot, his own journey? I, or? I did. And one of the things that I really got out of it was you have to know your numbers. Okay. Like constantly be in tune with the pulse of your business pretty much or right. And I think this is true, whether it's multi-level marketing, whether it's looking for affiliates to help market your services, you have to know that out of every 30 people who say they'll do something with you, maybe one or two people will actually do something mm. significant. I mean, he's got a lot of people in his downline and I don't remember what number he quoted, but I think the 26th person that he enrolled in his current program did something really significant and had a huge downline of her own and several levels down. 
So, I mean, if you get, you know, 10 or 20 really, really, really good affiliates or really good people in your downline, they can make you rich. Yeah, absolutely. Because not everyone who joins your program or agrees to market your stuff for you will actually do anything with it. Hmm. A very small percentage will. So you just have to keep talking to people. What do you think? I mean, the key is because one thing about being a leader is, I think, being able to inspire others with your own vision, right? With the yeah. with the with the thing that you're creating to right to influence those numbers. Obviously, there's always going to be a, a good percentage of people that will trail off. <laughs> That's pretty standard, yeah. right? So, I think as leaders and and people looking for success, we have to face that inherent. Uh, rejection, not even like in a dramatic way, but just like non-committalness yeah. of people, right? Who have to kind of accept that. But on our end, the part that we can control, what do you think from what you've learned is a key to influencing those numbers and skewing them towards in the favor of you? Like what makes you, I want to say persuasive, but persuasion to me sounds a little more salesy. Yeah. Like when you're, when we're talking about, let's say communicating something to someone and saying, hey, here's what I'd like you to try or help me with this project. doesn't matter. You may be selling something, maybe trying to enroll somebody to help you, you know, as a partner, basically trying to share your vision to the world. Yeah. Right. What, what makes it more effective as a leader? You have to make them want it for their reasons and not for your reasons. Hmm. What's in it for them. That's the channel that everybody's automatically tuned into. What's in it for me. What's in it for me. So you have to be in tune with that. How will this benefit someone else? I mean, I know why you want me to do something, but why do I want to do this for you? Hmm. That's the question you really have to answer. Hmm. As as uh, in all the interviews that you've done, for going back to this piece about finding your um, vision, you know, mm-hmm. basically acting on your what is it called? Zone of genius. That's zone what of genius. For. Yeah. Zone of genius. Acting on that zone of genius. From all the people that you've learned, have you seen any common? Patterns, any common beliefs that seem to be organizing this idea of, okay, how do you act on your passion? How do you find yourself in, yeah. in life? They had an unbreakable belief in themselves. Hmm. They did not give up. Not give up, like in the sense, not, okay, believe in themselves. Is that, you mean in, in their why, in their own future, in their own I think a lot abilities, of that. I guess, they, or... They, they had an unbreakable belief that they were fully capable of doing what it is they wanted to do mm, and that okay. they could find a way. Mm. Maybe some of the resources they need are outside of who they are or outside of their own sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. But I've heard it said that 80% of everything that you really need is something that's already in your circle. Hmm. That's interesting. So pretty much already what in, in the people around you, you already have 80% of the resources that, that create, you need to mm-hmm. create you want. Right. And if you believe in the whole six degrees of separation thing. That's true. Uh, if if I don't know someone who can help you, I know someone who's better equipped. In fact, I've done that a lot with people. It's like, you know what? This is not my zone of genius, but I can introduce you to someone who knows a lot more about this than I do. In fact, sometimes people would ask me about a specific episode that I had just done. It's like, so how can I do that? It's like, well, I wasn't the expert in that topic, but I can introduce you to that person if you want, or I can introduce you to people who know people. Hmm. If you play off that whole six degrees of separation, I mean, for example, I mean, I'm 
one or two degrees removed from Richard Branson several times, but I've never had him on my show. Right. <laughs> you know, isn't that crazy to think about? Hard to get to. He's uber uber busy. That would be a dream interview for oh, me. Oh man, though. that would be that would be nuts. That'd be huge. That'd so, be what's your? I mean, let's say let's say you would want somebody like that on your show. Like, what? How do you take it to the next level? I mean, you've had so many successful people, but how would you keep pushing it? Like, how do you? keep pushing it to say, okay, like I would want Richard Branson on my show. How, what would be your battle plan? Well, I heard somebody on stage who talked about meeting Richard Branson Mm. and he talked about this very topic, interestingly enough, and I'm now just remembering it. You have to give him something that he really wants. And there was a specific charity that he He's passionate about a lot of charities, but there's one in particular at that particular moment that he was pushing for and was very uh, adamant about supporting. I mean, Richard Branson has everything. Right. You can't give him money because he has it. What are you going to give him? So I believe what he did is in order to get some of his time, he offered to give something like $100,000 to his favorite charity. That got his attention. Mm. Or I think he sent, or maybe what did he do? He either gave to charity or he sent him, sent him a gift, but it had, it had something to do with charity. I can't remember what it was. Something to support, something that was very important to him. Yes. So do your research. If you really want somebody in your sphere of influence, find out what's important to them and find out who can help you get that thing. Hmm. You know, with such a, you know, we talk about these six degrees of separation. We talk about having 80% of the resources that you have already available to you. It makes me think like, what are the biggest obstacles that you've found for people to success? Like to, to finding, to, let's say, okay, to success as we've defined it in the sense of being in your zone of genius and contributing, right? Taking action on what you are passionate about that you can give to the world. Yeah. And I guess using your time the way you want to use it. What are the yeah. main obstacles? If if we all have 24 hours a day, but yeah. the results are so different, then yeah. the reason is because of our choices. So what's the right. obstacles that you've found? We tend to be our own worst critics. I've been accused of that many, many times. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I think we stop ourselves hmm. because maybe deep down we don't really believe it. I talked about the law of attraction with Jack Canfield when he was on my show. And some people really believe in the law of attraction and some people just think it's very puffy, yeah. very a very soft topic. But I asked Jack on my show, why do you think the law of attraction doesn't always seem to work for everybody? And he said there were three reasons. Number one, you're not operating on the same frequency as the thing you're asking for. So let's just say you're asking for something really amazing. Let's just say you're trying to manifest $100,000 or whatever, whatever that happens to be. Right. But you're operating from a place of there's no way this will ever happen to me. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I'm despondent. That money is not going to find you if that's your vibe. Mm. So you're not operating on the same frequency as the thing you're asking for. The second reason why the law of attraction doesn't seem to work for everyone, according to Jack, is that you don't really deep down believe that you deserve it. You can ask for something and hope that something can happen for you, but if you don't really think you're going to deserve it, it's not going to attract you either. And the third thing is people aren't taking action because the last six letters of attraction are A-C-T-I-N. Action. <laughs> That's yes. good. I like that. 
I like and so he totally blows apart the idea of sitting on your couch and hoping that a bag of money flies through your roof and into your lap you because you haven't taken any action to deserve that. Yeah, through action you vibrate. You know, you, you start to vibrate at that level. Yeah, and everything is vibrational. Everything is energy. Hmm. And that's why I want to associate with people who have positive vibrational energy. And you talked earlier about, you know, ref, we talked earlier about reference groups and who you hang around you got to get away from people who are just aren't your aren't your vibe and aren't your tribe. Yeah, toxic toxic relationships. Toxic Absolutely, people. because some people live for drama. Some people live for stirring things up. Hmm. I think that's an attention getting device more than anything else. For sure. Maybe somebody didn't get enough love as a kid. I don't know. Not judging. I don't know. But you, you've got to be around people who are aligned to what you want to do in life hmm. and can help you get there. And on the flip side, people who you can help get to where they want to go. Because you'll have some people in your circle who you are reaching up to and looking up to. You'll have your peer group. And then you'll have your people that you're trying to help along in life, hmm. trying to mentor. So those are the three groups of people you really ought to have in your life. Yeah, above, same level and below, and, right? Right, right. From from the interviews that you've had, has any inspired you with new like routines in life, like anything in your routine and your daily routine that you do differently now because you've had, you learned about yeah. it from, let's say somebody else like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to start doing that. At the end of one of my episodes, several years ago, I had a guy who said this when I asked him, do you have any final thoughts? This was at the end of the show. He said, have one conversation a day with someone who inspires you. Hmm. I'm like, that is really cool. How do you go about finding that person? It's somebody in my network. Gotcha. Sometimes those people are on Facebook. I mean, I don't, I, I minimize toxic influences on Facebook because you can choose your friends. And if oh, people sure. are posting stuff, you can snooze them or unfollow them or unfriend <laughs> yeah. them, which is great. Um, but there are a small group of people that I chat with every single day on Facebook hmm. at some point. And these are people who are always very supportive of what I'm doing and people who I can also support. Hmm. And believe in and just speak love into their lives. Hmm. You know, it's something I do every day. I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid of telling people I love them. Yeah. You know, because there's a vibrational energy about that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you know, romantic love. It just, I just have a kinship with people and people who are attracting the same vibe that I have or whatever the case is. I just want to be around people that. I want to be around. Hmm. I don't want to be around people I don't want to be around. And that's why I've left some jobs too, because I just don't want to be around these people. I don't like who I'm becoming by being around, being around these people. Hmm. And I started seeing that. Well, it's interesting. The impact of the things that we tolerate on our lives, because a lot of times we think, okay, what am I doing that's causing these situations? But really also... What am I not doing in mm -hmm. a sense? Or like, what am I tolerating? Yep. What am I saying yes to without realizing it? Yeah. That's what am I allowing in my life uh, that's under my radar yeah. that's sucking away my energy or, or being unproductive or I, where I'm not sending, you know, setting boundaries, right? Yeah, exactly. What, uh, what habit in your life has been the biggest impact in the last, let's say, year from everything that you've learned? Wow. My most impactful habit. I mean, I know that's kind of like, I'm sure you have a, a lot that you've learned, especially with all these people, but if you could pick one right now, 
Which one would it be? Affirmations. 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 Like They're, you write them down and you put them on. I listen to. I listen to the one. I, I have some written down. Okay. I recently went through Deepak Chopra's twenty-one day abundance challenge. Oh yeah, I was wondering about that. I, was, I saw that on the internet. Yeah. Really good. And so I would type out the the thought of the day, and I've got them all in one document. So I'll review that sometimes. But I like listening to affirmations on YouTube. Uh, there's a, a Bob Proctor wealth affirmation. Okay. And it's looped for two hours straight, like 800 times. You'll hear him say, I'm so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. Wow. And hearing it in his voice is really powerful. Yeah, I love it. Because it only takes like six seconds to say that. So there's time in two hours to loop that thing 800 times in a row. Wow. If you listen to that for 30 minutes straight every day, you start to really believe that it's possible for you. It becomes part of your vibration. It does. It does. Where, when did you start using affirmations? You know, I've known about them for years, but I didn't really start getting serious about it until a few months ago. What, what made you, what made you be like, okay, this is, this is it now. I need to start really doing this on a regular basis. I was in this 21 day abundance challenge this summer with the same friend who did it this second time around. Oh, gotcha. And some things really changed for me. Really? Yeah. Like internally or like with... I think so like, because I think, you know, when you when you meditate or when you pray, there's a difference between asking slash begging for something mm -hmm. versus already owning it and knowing that it's coming to you. Yeah. That was a huge shift for me. Is basically realizing the difference when you pray between really like owning that future thing and saying, mm -hmm. I I'm grateful that I already have it or like it's part of me mm -hmm. versus... I need to chase this thing. Yeah. I don't have it. Please give it to me. That kind yeah. Because hmm. that's a different, you know, mommy, can I have this? Daddy, can I have this? Yeah. Versus I, I am fully confident that this already exists for me. I just need to make it happen. Hmm. And that, that shifted in the actual challenge itself, like you were doing it and then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th I think so. Hmm. It was during this challenge. Yeah. And I started getting new clients wow. and I had clients who owed me money who paid me <laughs> <laughs> as soon as that shifted, huh? It did. And for the next six weeks, I was the most financially abundant that I've been at any six week period of my life. Wow. And then when the challenge ended, I found myself reverting a little bit to what I was doing before. And then I started doing this of, of praying, like of saying, I like trying to ask for things rather than being thankful yeah, or like a little bit, a little bit. Because things start drying up. I mean, entrepreneurship right. is a roller coaster to start with. Oh, yeah, for sure. It absolutely is. There's that graph that's on the internet everywhere of like the life of an entrepreneur. And it's like this up and down. It's like, yes, I'm going to be rich. And then it's like, oh, no, my life is over. And then, oh, my God, you know, this is the best idea ever. And then, oh, you know, this it's is like, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, we're good again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. But, uh, yeah, and really just working your craft and getting good at your craft opens up a lot of opportunities hmm. because if you get really good at something that people want to experience, people will start referring business to you. Hmm. Yeah. I think word of mouth these days, especially if you're in the services industry, you're providing service for people. I think that's still honestly like, unless you're obviously trying to like scale at a really high level, but if you're just doing like services one-on-one -on -one for people, whatever kind of services you do, I think word of mouth is still such a powerful 
like referrals are still it. You know, it's funny. We still live in the 21st century of all these technological things, but referral yeah. is still, that's like, that's the original social network. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's still word of mouth. Well, what would you tell people from everything that you've learned? All right, let's say the top three things. Let's do top three from all these last 30 conversations you've had in the last two years with all these high achievers. Hmm. If you want to be successful, if you're in search of success, what are the top three things that you need to know or you need to think of or remember? I would say don't give up on yourself. Nice. Because there are people out there who need what you're doing. I would also say don't play small because if you play small, you are depriving someone else who needs you of having what you have. So don't play small. And then I would say figure out what people want, figure out what people's problems are, and then solve them. Because the most successful entrepreneurs are the people who solve other people's problems. Hmm. I had a guest recently who said money changes hands when problems get solved. Hmm. Interesting. It's, it's true. That's an interesting way to look at it. Money changes hands when problems get solved. And it is the truth, the capital T. Hmm. That's a great one. I love that. I'm going to write that down. Money changes hands when problems get solved. Mm-hmm. That's true, though. I mean, really, like, abundance is really a result of you. That's one fundamental belief I have, too, is, like, ultimately, your success or abundance or whatever word you want to put in there, financial success, too, it's all linked to the value that you provide people around you. Right. So I think a lot of times when we're thinking about, okay, how can I be more successful? How can I make more money? Rather than thinking about how can I make more money, it's like, how can I provide more value in what I'm doing? Right. And money will, like you said, change hands when problems get solved. When you're able to solve new problems mm -hmm. from the existing that you're already solving, then your income will change too. And sometimes part of the solution is out there, but just one little minor adjustment mm. can make it even better. I mean, you think about a lot of these companies that, you know, don't necessarily have brick and mortar uh, presences like Uber and Airbnb, you know, they, they don't, Airbnb doesn't own any of the rooms they're renting or the homes they're renting. Uber doesn't own any of the cars. It's crazy the world we live in. Yeah. But they have a network which generates opportunities for people to make a lot of money and solve problems. Hmm. And that's called disrupting an industry. Yeah, I read this book actually. It's on my recommended reading list. It's called Platform Revolution. Hmm. It talked about all these different platforms and how everything's getting disrupted right now. Yeah. And it's really interesting to see because it's not over. This whole phase of disruption it's not over. is just starting. Yeah. Like there's still sectors of the economy that are waiting to be disrupted. Like we we're talking about fashion. I was talking with one of my buddies the other day about how even like fashion is starting to get disrupted now. If you look at, for example, like all these stores like Dillard's and Macy's and stuff that were you know, huge for a while. Now they're going out of business because on Facebook, you can literally I get targeted all the time for these like guys' shirts and suits or whatever, like the perfect colored shirt. It's whatever fitted, it's stain proof, it's sweat proof, you know, and it's cheaper than, you know, it's yeah. like well designed. It's all because of platforms, you know. Yeah. Now I just, you're mentioning fashion. I don't know if anyone's doing this yet, but if anyone is not doing this, they should think about this. I mean, let's talk about being a fashion, fashion concierge for a minute, catering to the ultra-rich people who mm. maybe, like, for example, celebrities who 
don't want to go to the store. I mean, you, th- you hear stories about people like Diana Ross who shut down Macy's at in the middle of the day so that she could shop so privately could in the whole shop. store oh, by wow. herself. <laughs> Why doesn't someone who knows her sizes and her fashion sense bring a bunch of clothes to her and she can try on which ones she likes mm. and maybe she'll buy all of them. It's like a in-home service pretty much. Absolutely. Hmm. Why can't you do that? Of course you can. Interesting. If anyone out there is doing that already, God bless you. If no one out there is doing it, that's not an idea that I'm going to do, so run with it. I know they have like these services where you can pay per month so you get do something like that. It's not a person who comes, but they send you like a box every month of different clothing, I think, based on your yeah. sizes and preferences. But having there are, a service there are wine would, clubs that do that. Yeah. Having a person would be a totally different situation. Yeah. Though. I mean, you think about, you know, ordering ordering clothes online. I mean, Zappos has done a pretty good job of figuring that out because they'll send you the shoes that you order. If they don't fit, you just send them back they'll and send they send you something else. But I mean, brilliant. It's, it is brilliant. Pain in the neck. I, I would prefer to just go to the store. Yeah. And there will always be people who prefer that. So I think some brick <laughs> I'm an and, Amazon Prime guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that it, it's all about convenience. How can you make someone's life easier? That's a that's a problem to solve. Making yeah, look someone's at life Amazon. easier. They they're they created convenience, they solved a huge problem, and they're a trillion dollar company now. If you can help someone save money, if you can help someone save time, if you can save someone hassle. That's good. And I think really the starting place is what is happening in life that just irritates you? Just what just irritates you? And then figure out how can you solve How can that? you solve that problem for other how, people? How do you solve that problem for other people? When problems get solved, money, money changes hands. Money changes hands. I love money that. changes That's hands when problems who said, get who solved. Who told you that? I think Brad Blazer said that to me. Well, like within the last three weeks. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. He's not in the book, but uh Perhaps in the future, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do you choose? How do you choose? Right. You have so many people you've interviewed. Yeah. And this is why I also love, you know, having a magazine because I, it gives other people who maybe aren't aren't in a book, it gives them an opportunity to be featured in another way. And that comes out once a month, right? Once a month. Digital magazine or yep. full Successprofilesmagazine.com. You can subscribe. It's a paid subscription and uh, you can access any monthly issue that I've ever done and any special edition issues that I've ever done. Yeah, all previous issues, right? All previous issues. Yep. The two year anniversary is coming up in December. That's exciting, man. It is exciting. How does that, like when you have a, an online magazine, how does that work exactly? Like pretty much you just create, does it, I've never actually subscribed to an online magazine. How yeah. does it, how does it work exactly? Well, it's, it's like a regular magazine, except you're not printing it out and mailing it out. Okay. It's available on a website and there are some programs so where you can do that in the blog. Exactly. Like how does that, is the layout basically a little different? I guess it's well, like a for me, it's laid out as a PDF. Oh, I see. And so on my site, you can scroll up and down the pages in a PDF. There are gotcha. other formats where you can flip the pages. I don't like those because you can't always read. Sometimes you have to enlarge the, the, the writing gotcha, to be able gotcha. to read it and navigate your mouse around to different parts of the page to read it. And I, I just don't like it. Hmm. What are you most grateful for right now? I'm grateful for opportunities to talk to amazing people like yourself. Nice. <laughs> right back at you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm grateful for my friends and family. I'm grateful that I have the skill set and the opportunities to help people. Anything impart, you're yeah. excited about that's coming up? 
Yeah, well, my book just came out, Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2. It's on Amazon. The Kindle version at this at this moment is still 99 cents. Who would not that's get this? That's a great this? deal, yeah. Who would really not good. buy this? Seriously. Uh, Authorpreneur Live 2.0 is going to be coming up in December. I think authorpreneurlive.com is going to be the site that we use. I need to get with my coach, my marketing director about that. We're having a conversation very soon about that because we're going to start figuring out who's going to be speaking. Yeah, we could link that on the blog post. That's a great event. If you're if you're thinking about writing your own book yep. or if you're curious about that, I highly recommend it. That's, that's a really good event. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And that was the first event I ever did cool. when I did that last yeah, it November. Yeah, went well. I think you did great. Yeah, thank you. And so December 11th and 12th is when we're going to be doing it. Connect with me on Facebook and you'll hear all about it. In fact, there is a... Facebook group called Authorpreneur Live. You can ask to join that group and uh, we'll go from there. Nice. It's been a pleasure, my friend. It's so you good too. to see you again. Thank you so much. Awesome. It's been fantastic being here with you. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my good friend, Brian, as we talk about the search for success. You know, my goal with this interview was to inspire you to look at your own journey and ask yourself, what does it mean to be successful right now, today? What does it mean to you? You know, you might also be looking and see, what is it? What am I missing from my approach? You know, what new actions, what new beliefs are possible to you now as a result of this conversation? I know for me personally, learning to define what success meant for me and what it means to me. Every day it might change. You know, you have a vision and how you approach that vision might be a little different. And over time, as you keep taking action, even the vision might alter a little bit and change. And sometimes it might change drastically. And maybe you have a big breakthrough moment where you're like, you know what? I need to completely do a U-turn on this and go in a different direction. And that's fine. But having a clear definition of what success means to you is so important in the search for it. You know, again, if you want to get in touch with Brian, you can check out com. If you want to get in touch with his Success Profiles magazine, if you want to subscribe to that, it's successprofilesmagazine.com. And of course, if you want to check out that Authorpreneur event, highly, highly recommend that event. Super valuable if you're looking to write a book or if you're looking to market your book, position yourself more as an expert. Brian interviews and gets some really top quality people who've been ultra successful in that field to speak at this event, to do the uh, the workshops, and you get access to all those recordings at authorpreneurlive.com, spelled A-U-T-H-O-R-P-R-E-N-E-U-R-Live.com. Make sure you check it out. Like I said, I did it as well, and it was a huge, huge help on my own journey uh, to write a book and to reach that milestone in my life. So make sure you go check it out. If you go to Brian's website, you also get uh, those seven full-length transcripts and episodes from his Success Profile show. Those are some of the conversations that he features in his recent book, Conversations with High Achievers. So make sure you check that out. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with my friend Brian today. You know, success, like I said, is such a buzzword, but it's so important to know where we're going in life and constantly being able to adjust If you enjoyed this kind of conversation, make sure you subscribe and share it with one person in your life that needs to hear today's message on the search for success. You can also tag me on Facebook and Instagram at Tutor Alexander Official. 
with your biggest lesson from today. Let me know. I'm always curious to see what you guys are learning from these episodes. And let's not forget our quote from the very beginning by Jack Canfield. Life is too short to work with people who irritate you. Such a simple quote and such a simple reminder that success, first off, is not a solo thing. You know, your picture, whatever it is, whatever your vision is, whatever your future that you're working towards, it's always going to involve other people in some way. And in that sense, you have to be very decisive about who you let into your vision, who you let into your world. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome, amazing rest of your day. Make sure you tune in on Monday where we continue our special series on building a daily gratitude practice with part eight, do something for somebody. We're going to be talking about random acts of kindness, how to incorporate more of that kind of stuff into your life to really build a habit of appreciation and spontaneity. A lot of good stuff coming your way. So make sure you tune in Monday. And as always, remember that your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more episodes and weekly content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.